So we're in our fourth week of this series, Hot Topics. And I really hope you've been enjoying this series as much as I have because I know it's challenged me. You know, as we've gone through and, and through this series, we've been looking at actual hot topics or, or those hard questions that people both inside and outside of the church have been asking, even if we don't ask it out loud. You know, remember back in week one, we talked about hurt inside the church. If we're all followers of Jesus, how come there's so much hypocrisy and hurt in the church? And then we talked about the Bible, is it truth? You know, how can we believe what the Bible says? And, and the reality of if you want to convince someone or have someone understand that the Bible is truth, you can't use the Bible to do it because they don't believe it. So we went outside of the Bible to kind of prove that the Bible is truthful and it is what it says it is. And then last week we talked about faith and science and, and how they could actually work together instead of being opposing forces with each other. And, and this week, as I, when I sent out the text message, I said it's PG-13. So because ultimately whether you're here inside the room, join us for church online, or even watching this video at a later time, um, the subject of today is definitely a hot topic. It's in the news. It's been in the news for a long time, but it's been polarized lately even more inside the news. And what we're going to talk about is abortion. Or even more than that, pro-life. Now see, for me, it, this topic was pretty simple. You know, I was raised in church. I know what God's Word says. So I kind of never really thought much about the topic of abortion or pro-life. And if you asked, like many of you, I'd be real quick to say, oh, I'm pro-life. But see, this is where the rubber meets the road. Because the realization is, are you just anti-abortion or are you actually pro-life? Because believe it or not, they are two totally different things, but they get grouped together so many different times. And as I've said each week going forward, and I'm going to continue to say, is, and I think I need to say it not only for myself, I always say I want to remind you, but I think I need to remind myself also that ultimately I got, I got a challenge for everybody, and that's we all have our own personal opinions on subjects. We have what we believe inside, and we're going to try and hold on to that belief, but remember, if, if, what, if what we believe doesn't line up with what God's Word says, we need to adjust our belief system. We need to adjust it to what God says, not what maybe our mom and dad told us or what a politician told us or, or something like that. We need to look at what God's Word says and not expect God's Word to change to line up with our opinion. Because unfortunately, I think sometimes we do that. We, we kind of want God's Word to change and say what we want it to say or agree with what we may have or the, on a certain issue. So the first thing, and I guess the question for today would be, what does God think about abortion? What does God think about abortion? And of course, the, the whole thing of it is in the eyes of God, he's the creator. I believe all creation and all human life is valuable to God. It's about everything, not just one little thing. I believe it's all that. And with that being said, 
If I were to ask each of you a question, we know what God's Word says, or we believe we know what God's Word says, but then we each have our own opinion of what a subject might be or an answer to it, but as Christians, we should go by what God's Word says, right? So if I asked you the question, when is it okay for someone to get an abortion? Now, I heard never, but ironically here, I've asked this question to many different people, and there's people inside this room and outside this room that will have different answers to the question. And, I've, and when I've asked the question, this is the answer I've generally gotten the most of the time. The only time I feel someone can have an abortion is if dot, 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 fill in the blank. And I think a lot of people in this room probably have that if statement in here. And we probably have that if statement in a lot of different things, but ultimately we've got to look at what does God's word say about it. And as Christ followers, we need to understand what his word says and believe what his word says, even when it goes against what we may say. And I want to let you know, I've had that if answer before. I've had that if answer on certain things. And even when it came to abortion at one time, I had that it's okay if. And I was raised in church. I knew what God's word said. But I still had that if. And now since then, I've erased that if out of it. And before I get too far, I want to give you some statistics about abortion. So... More than 60 million legal abortions have, been, have occurred in the U.S. since 1973. In 2020, unmarried women accounted for 86% of all abortions. Women in their 20s accounted for the majority of abortions and had the highest abortion rate in 2020. Adolescents under 15 obtained 0.2% of all 2019 abortions, while women aged 15 to 19 accounted for 8.5% of abortions. If you look at by age, less than 15 was 0.2%, 15 to 19 was 8.2%, 20 to 24 years old was 27.9% of all abortions. However, 25 to 29 was actually 29.3%. The highest rate of all abortions were between the ages of 25 and 29, 30 to 34 was 19.9, 35 39, 10.7, and over 43.7%. Women living with a partner who they weren't married to accounted for 25% of all abortions, although it only accounts for 10% of the population, which kind of really offsets it. In 2014, there was a study done in 54% of the women who sought abortion said they were either Protestant, evangelical, or Catholic. Think about that. 54% had some type of religious belief system in there that they actually still went and had an abortion. Now, now those facts I actually got from First Care. You know, First Care is who we do baby bottle boomerang through, and which we'll have coming up around Mother's Day. We'll do it again. And they help to provide alternatives to abortion. So, and I also found them from a website called abort73.com. And just to give a couple more facts, in 2004, there was 1,209 post 
abortion women uh, surveyed, and this is what they said. 19% said they aborted the baby because they were done having kids. 23% said they couldn't afford a baby. 25% said they weren't ready for a child in the first place. And in 2019, in the state of Florida, uh, in 2021, in the state of Florida, there were 79,817 abortions in this state alone. The four main reasons, uh, actually, let me go back on that. The, yeah, the four main reasons that, that people say it's okay for a divorce, uh, okay for abortion, which you've probably, some of you said, it's okay if someone was raped. The number of cases in Florida who were actually raped and had an abortion were 0.15%. Now you look at the other part. Well, what if it's due to incest, Pastor? Well, incest only accounted for, for 0 0.01% percent of all uh, abortions. What about if the woman's going to die? 0.15%. And then another big one, what if there's a fetal abnormality and the baby's not going to be able to survive or, or it's going to be expensive, then they should be able to abort the baby? Less than 1%. 0.95% of all abortions went with the top four reasons that most people will say if. Think about that. But that's a lot of our ifs. What if? Well, if it's this or that. Well, God's word says thou shalt not kill. Now, I do want to let you know what does the Bible actually say about abortion? Newsflash. The Bible does not have the word abort or abortion in it. So therefore, the Bible actually says nothing about abortion. But how many people, even as Christians... Oh, it's against God's word. Show me. But now here's the thing. It doesn't say anything about abort or abortion, but you know what it does say? It says a lot about the sanctity of life. And, and when you talk about abortion or you talk about an unborn baby, you're still talking about the sanctity of life. You're talking about a life in general. And although the the Bible doesn't talk about it. I really want to dig into this and understand that for us to be able to apply this in our life, we need to do this. We need to understand that being pro-life is more than abortion. Being pro-life is more than abortion. As believers, we should live in a way that honors the dignity of all humans, regardless of political policy or societal norms. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew. But always, as always, it will be up here on the screen. So let's dig in and see what God's Word says about the sanctity of life. So Genesis 1, 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth 
and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth. Everything having the breath of life in it. I have given every green plant for food, and so, and it was so. <clears throat> God saw all that he made, and it was indeed very good. Evening came, and morning, and then morning, on the sixth day. So we see right here in, in Genesis, right at the beginning, that, that God created everything in the world. He did it with love. He did it with intentionality when he created the world. Day by day, everything he did, he did it with love and with intention to it. And, and furthermore, he created humans. He created us. And where everything else, every other day, he said it was good, the day he created man, male and female, he said it was very good. I understand for ancient Israel, this is an incredible idea because every different culture has a creation event. It has some type of how the world was created, how the universe was created, how people were created and how everything went on, but none of them contain the deity that we see in Genesis that made it with a joyful and beautiful and very good outcome. And, and, and God says we are very good, and it was like this from the very beginning. And, and God has taken an interest in the world ever since he created the world, walked with Adam and Eve throughout history, even into today, God still wants to be part of what we do. If you think about it, through, his, uh, through God's creation, even back in, in Genesis 9, with his covenant with Noah, that covenant was for every living creature. You look back in Job and Psalms, and it's the delight in the animals, and all the living beings are mentioned in Job and Psalms of how God cared for them. Even in Jonah, God was concerned not only about the people, but the livestock that would actually be destroyed if Nineveh didn't repent. So as you see, God cared about all these different things, but the scripture, when it comes to human life, is so much different. God puts so much more emphasis on man and woman throughout the Bible than he does on other living creatures. And it's because we are made in his image, in his likeness. And as we look at that, I was looking up, and Matthew Henry actually said this. That man was made in God's image and after his likeness. Two words to express the same thing and making each other the more expressive. Image and likeness denote the likest image, the nearest resemblance of any other visible creatures. God's image upon man consists in three things. His nature and constitution, his place and authority, his purity and rectitude. Think about it. God gave us, God gave man and woman dominion over every living being on the earth. Told us to subdue it and to rule what is on earth and, and basically given us this opportunity or, or to be God's representative to take care of the earth. <clears throat> 
to, to be here to kind of rule and be in charge of what's going on here in the earth and, and to govern and be good stewards of the land and of the creatures here on earth. That's how much God cared about it and how much he, he really did it with intentionality is to have us to be able to govern for him. I think there's no mistake. I don't think it's an oversight. I don't think it's a hiccup when God tells us this because God created us in his image. Even with how bad we mess up with the sinfulness that we have in our life and and God still looks to us to rule what he's created because we're made in his image. And even Jesus, when you look at Jesus, Jesus acknowledged the actual dignity of every person. He, he didn't push aside anybody. And, you know, you, we, when we look at this whole pro-life, you know, so many people are Oh, I'm pro-life. Well, how do you treat your neighbor? Because if you're pro-life, then we need to do what Jesus did, and we need to look at placing dignity on all of life, not just the life that we choose. It's about everything. You think about Jesus welcomed the children in Matthew 19. He rejected social norms by actually having meals with tax collectors and sinners. He didn't care what society said. He still went and did it anyways. He went against the crowd when he reached out to those who had disabilities or those who were sick or those who had some in, in something wrong with them. Jesus reached out to them. He didn't care about, hey, you can't touch someone with leprosy. Jesus would lay a hand on them and heal them. He didn't care what society said. It wasn't an us versus them. It was I need to be, everyone is equal. I need to show love and dignity to everybody. He even reached out to a foreigner of another religion. The Samaritan woman at the well took the time to reach out to a woman who was of a whole different religion. We won't reach out to the Catholics or the Lutherans. Jesus reached out to everybody. So, so how pro-life are you really? Like I said, this is where the rubber meets the road. A lot of us will say, oh, I'm pro-life, but you're only thinking about the abortion side of it. What about the dignity of life for other people? Jesus paid special attention to those considered insignificant by the majority. It's never about, you know, what we can gain, it's not about gaining over anyone else. Jesus actually elevated the worthiness of someone's dignity in everything that he did. Even the Old Testament points to where God having the same thing, that God will not be pleased if the vulnerable in society are not cared for. And wealth and power cannot be gained by trampling on those who are weak. Unfortunately, in today's world, that's what they want to do, right? If you want power, you want to gain power, Keep the weak down and low where they're at. Use them as a stepping stone to get where you want to be. Well, that goes totally against being pro-life. It goes totally against what God's Word says, and it goes totally against what Jesus did himself. And if we're going to model what Jesus did, we need to be and do what he did, correct? And ultimately, I think there's no, no point in us worshiping God through songs. 
through the reading of his word? Why do we even come to church or have a, you know, some type of theology if we're going to have an us and them mentality? Do you think God's going to honor our worship and our praise if it's just about us four and no more? Do you really think he's, he's going to care what you're doing and accept what you're doing if you're just worried about the rich and the poor, uh, the rich people? What can I get? Take a chance. Read Isaiah chapter 58. You want to see the Old Testament and see what it says. It talks about fasting. It talks about what we should do compared to what we actually do. And if you want to see the goodness of God, there's things we've got to do. And understand that sanctity of life, that every life matters. Every life in this world matters. And, and as we look at this, we need to look at this issue of it. it <clears throat> it's not this political lightning rod that's become. You think about it today, it's the issue that both sides of the political side say is the issue. Guess what? It's not the issue. There's so many other things that are going on in this world. It's just what they're pushing out in front of us to make it the issue. Well, ultimately for Christians, it shouldn't be an issue because we know what God's Word says. So it should never be an issue about with us. It shouldn't be what, hey, this Democrat says or this Republican says or this Independent says. We need to look at what God's Word says because God's Word is what we go by, right? And, and if a politician ain't going by God's Word, is it really worth it? See, we need to go by God's word and we need to lean on the truth that God tells us to lean because ultimately, sanctity of life is not something you can vote on. It's not about legislation. Sanctity of life is how we treat people. How we treat the person sitting next to us in the pew or the person sitting next to us in a restaurant or wherever we may be. How do we truly treat the people around us? Do we treat people the way Jesus treated them, giving them that love and grace that they need each and every day? Because guess what? Everyone in this room, everyone online, anyone who hears this sermon needs that same thing. You need love and grace. Because if God did not love you enough and send Jesus to the cross, none of us would be having this conversation right now. Because none of it would matter. But we get so caught up in this us and them, and we need to understand it and realize that can we actually have this conversation and take care of everybody? I was reading an article this week on Christ and pop culture, and Julia Harrington had written this article about what she learned through working at a pregnancy resource facility, and she actually said this. Let's get proactively involved in all the issues of life. <clears throat> we cannot be advocates for life in absence from the foster care system. We cannot advocate an abortion-free society and then condemn unwed mothers. Let's mobilize our churches to support young mothers and families. We must be bringers of life to the unborn and to the born. This is a critical conversation because we have misguidedly adopted a polemical or a controversial framework for how we discuss abortion. Maybe it's time to begin questioning all the assumptions surrounding the issue 
that have been made since its conception, that it's a woman's issue, that it's necessarily political, or that apathy is an acceptable response. This matters because it's all life. The man whose sexual formation is incomplete and ridden with cultural values which ultimately dishonor his sexual wholeness directly impacts the woman with the similar disadvantages and they both directly impact the children born into tragedy as well as the children who do not ever get a chance. We cannot disregard the issue. We can no longer allow for the continued unquestioned oppression of women to persist. We need to reclaim healthy sexuality for ourselves, our children, our communities, and our culture, and we must defend the weak, the defenseless, the children who might not be born. That's pro-life. That, that's what it's all about. It, it, it's making a difference for everybody. I actually watched a uh, video this week, and author and speaker Daniel Darling, he asked this question, is pro-life just about abortion? And, and basically he finds that pro-life does include the unborn. However, we as Christians need to view, make sure that we view any people as the image of God. We don't need to view people as they're standing in our way and they're preventing us. And, and we can't call ourselves pro-life if we do nothing to protect those who are vulnerable in our communities. If we're doing nothing to protect women, children, elderly, poor, even refugees, immigrants, or those facing racial discrimination, are we really doing what we're called to do? No. Are you really pro-life if you don't stand up for those people? No, you're not. It's just something you're saying that you really don't believe. Pro-life is more than abortion. And since Scripture teaches us that all life is valuable, we must evaluate what it means in the lives of people. Think about this. If you want to ask yourself, are you different and are you really pro-life? Do you see value in the human being who's incarcerated? Do you see value in that person who's in jail? Do you see value in a sex worker, a refugee, someone who's poor, rich, someone who's an atheist? Do you see value in someone who's part of the LGBTQ community? Think about it. As Christians, we still need to see value in that person because we need to love the person. We don't like to sin, but we need to love that person. What about a person of color? What about someone who's Muslim? Totally different religion. Should we still value them as a person? Yes. We still need to show them value. What about a member of another political party? <gasps> Pastor, I'm sorry, I just can't like no Democrats. I'm sorry, I, I can't like them independents. Guess what? Are you pro-life? Then guess what? You can like them. Guess what else? You can love them. Whatever that us versus them that we create in our own mind, because that's exactly where it's created. It's created in our mind. It's created and then publicized throughout TV, throughout history. And, and I thought it was funny because yesterday I actually saw something that yesterday was considered the National Day of Hate. I'm like, wow, they didn't have a whole lot of people out there, you know, picketing for it. 
But, but I saw a thing, how it was the National Day of Hate, and I think it's interesting, which I'm not going to get too much into because I'm preaching on next week, but you, you look at hate in the world, if you wear something that says Jesus on it, people automatically push back against you. Because guess what? We're now part of them. Oh, you're one of them people. Oh, you're one of them. Well, guess what? If we're one of them and we're supposed to be like Jesus, you can call me one of them all day long. Because if I'm doing what God's word says and I'm being pro-life and I'm loving that person who says you're one of them, I'm okay with that. But guess what? I'm going to change their mind. And I'm going to change their mind because I'm going to love them just the way they are. I'm going to love them even though they don't like my cross. I'm going to love them even because maybe they don't like my shirt that says Jesus loves you. I'm still going to love them. Because that's what Jesus calls us to do. That's what being pro-life is. Standing up for anyone who is marginalized. And even if you get pressure against yourself, stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in what God called you to do and continue to move forward in everything he's called you to do. Yeah, I think it's interesting as we look back and at the very beginning of this, I talked about 54% of women who sought abortions considered themselves Protestant, Evangelical, or Catholic. That number should disturb us. That should be a disturbing number. And, and unfortunately, here's what happens. Those 54% who claim to have some type of religious background were probably outcast in their church. You think about it. They were probably outcast in their church. They weren't loved. They became one of them. Oh, you're one of them people who had an abortion. But what would Jesus have done? Jesus would have loved that person. Jesus would have leaned in and been there for them and, and, and showed them love even in their circumstances. Yeah, I, I look at how much he loved me. How much he still loves me. And I'm far from being perfect. I've created them us and them lines in the past. I, I've had them, oh, y'all need to stay, stay in your ground. But, but the more I've walked my walk, the more I've realized how much grace he has given me. How much love he has given me when I didn't deserve it. And I need to do the same for others. And, and as we go through this life, we've got to remember that every one of us, and if you look at statistics, there's probably someone in this room that's had an abortion. Or there's someone in this room who's told someone to have an abortion. Or there's someone in this room who knows someone's going to have an abortion or has had one. If you think of the numbers, how many have happened since 1973? But yet as Christians, we'll close the door on those people. Oh, I'm pro-life. You can't have an abortion. Oh, you had one. You're a sinner. Get out. You better go look in the mirror. God's word says we're all sinners and we all fall short. But yet we'll, we'll actually point out somebody and, and then we'll treat them, especially if they have an abortion, they're an unwed mother. Oh. You had sex outside of marriage? 
That's another statistic we could use in this room. And I ain't going to ask for a show of hands, but I bet there'd be a whole lot of them. We put labels on things. We create us in them. And it goes against what God's Word tells us to do. It goes totally against what we're called to do. We're made in the image of God, and we need to do what God's Word calls us to do. I mean, like back at the very beginning of all this, I said, what does God think about abortion? Well, He believes all creation, all human lives matter. And if you happen to know someone who may be thinking about an abortion or, or going through it, on the back table I've got some pamphlets. There's one back there called uh, How to Defend Your Pro-Life Faith in Five Minutes or Less. There's also alternatives for abortion that are back there because people need to know. Uh, a lot of times, and, and as I was doing, looking at statistics going into this, the amount of people that are coerced into having abortion is unbelievable amount. Where they don't really know the whole consequence, they don't know there's other avenues to take out there, that they actually, oh, the only choice you got is get an abortion. And they'll go and get, and the statistic is like 80, 90%. It's crazy. There's other options out there. But we as Christ followers can be that first option. By showing them love. By showing them love, welcoming them in just like Jesus welcomed you in. We're not condoning what they've done, but what we're doing is we're showing the love that Jesus showed. We're being open and honest, and we want to help them to make the right decisions and to continue to move forward. Yeah, as I said very at the very beginning, being pro-life is more than about abortion. Like I said, this is where the rubber hits the road because so many people say, I'm pro-life. Well, no, you're just anti-abortion. You're really not pro-life. They're two different things. So the question would be, are you really pro-life? And if you're really pro-life and you've got a family member who's part of the LBGTQ community, you're still showing them love. You're not walking up saying, oh, you're going to hell in a handbag. Yeah, that's probably where they're going, but it's not our place to judge it. What our job is is to love them. And I've told the story before. I've actually, in a previous church, was up front. I was a prayer partner, and someone brought up someone, a member of the LG, LBGTQ community. Yes. And, and when she came up and, and the lady introduced me to her, her comment was, well, you're going to tell me I'm going to hell. And I told her, I said, I'm not going to tell you that. It's not my place to decide that. I, I'm not the one. She says, but I live this alternate lifestyle, and I have a girlfriend, and, and, but I want to accept Jesus. And I told her, I said, well, let me explain it this way. If you truly accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, he will change you from the inside out. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. But if you truly accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, He will point out the sins in your life that you're then called to repent from and to move away from. 
And that's the conversation I had. She's now married to a man. She accepted Jesus that day. God opened up her eyes to see the sin in her life. I watched her totally transform over the course of like seven years to the point that she's actually married to a man today. Jesus has the ability to do it. But we will tell that person right from the beginning. And how many people had told that lady, oh, you're going to hell, and didn't have that conversation? We need to have those conversations. And guess what? They're not easy. But we need to have those conversations with our family, our friends, our coworkers, whoever it may be, and open up and be accepting to who they are as a person, as the person made in the image of God. That's the first thing we should see in anybody. We're all made in the image of God. Treat people like they are made in the image of God and see how different the world's going to treat you. If you're really going to be pro-life, you really need to be pro-life. In Matthew 25, in the parable of the sheep and the goat, Jesus actually says, Whatever you do to the least of these. Who's the least of these in our life? Who are the least of these in society? And, and you think about it in society, you automatically go and think the least of these are, are like the homeless or the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the, the elderly. You're going to automatically have this list. Well, as you're making that list, I want you to think about what Mother Teresa said about the poor. She said, each one of them is Jesus in disguise. Imagine the people inside our life that we have judged because we didn't agree with something they were doing or they were marginalized in this society and they could be Jesus in disguise. Because they're made in his image. I think it's a way that we need to really refocus ourselves in our own, in our own lives to understand are we really pro-life. As I said, the percentage of us probably know somebody who's had an abortion, going to have an abortion, or even going to have one in the future. Because they're still going to happen. Even though Roe versus Wade was overturned, you still have, now states are doing different laws, but I'm not getting into that. I'm not going to get into when Life begins because what the world talks about life and what the Bible talks about life are two different things. The world talks about a human and you're not actually really a human until you actually have some kind of senses. Or, and some say you're actually not a human until you're like three years old. Think about that. According to what they consider the world, you have so much cognitive behavior about you that you're actually considered to be an asset to society. Every one of us is an asset to society. We were knit in our mother's womb. So if you know someone who's out there marginalized, and if someone's different than you, show them the love that Jesus shows you. Be Jesus with skin on and truly be pro-life.
You want to know what the Bible says about abortion? All lives matter. All lives matter. Not just some. Not just the people we like. It's not just us and not them. Because guess what? Their lives matter to God. And if their lives matter to God, they should matter to us. Correct? Correct. And, you know, you may be sitting here and going, well, that's all good, Pastor, but, man, I'm one of them people who had an abortion. Man, I, I talked my wife into having an abortion or my girlfriend. And, and there's no way that God can forgive me for that. But whether you're here in this room or you join us for church online, or even if you're watching this video at another time, I want to let you know, if you're the person who's had one, thought about one, or even the one who told someone to get an abortion, I want you to know this. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. That's what matters. You sinned, that's okay. We're all sinners, we all fall short of the glory of God. So you're in good company. Everyone's sin may be different, but sin is sin in the eyes of God. So we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God, but yet God showed his love for us that yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for the sins you've already done, and he died for the sins you're going to do. When you pull out of the parking lot and you honk your horn at someone on 95 and you tell them they're number one, he already knows about that sin. Just ask for forgiveness now. God's word says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's where it begins. And let me tell you, after that, there's nothing easy about it. Being a follower of Jesus Christ is hard work each and every day. We're required daily to pick up our cross and to follow him. Not the little cross you have around your neck. Pick up your cross. The cross he had to carry to Calvary to get nailed to, to die for your sins. Pick it up and follow him daily. There's nothing easy about that. There's nothing easy loving your enemy. There's nothing easy loving someone who's different from you. There's nothing easy about that. It takes work. But with the Holy Spirit guiding you, you can do that work. But you got to take that first step. Accept him as your Lord and Savior, and then be obedient to what his word calls you to do. Because that's what we're called to do. And I want to let you know, if you're here and, and you're feeling, man, Pastor, I, I'm one of them statistics, it's okay. During this final song, you guys can go ahead, you can come up here, and, and I'll be to the side if you just, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I will be more than happy to stand up here and pray for you. I'll pray with you, I'll pray for you. You can just come up to the altar and have that conversation with God. Lord, you, you know, I was one of them. I've had one or I made someone get one. Lord, I want to be pro-life. Open my eyes to see people the way you see people. That's what we're called to do. If you've never accepted Jesus, you're in this room, you can come up front. 
We'll pray about it. We'll welcome you to our messed up, jacked up family. Because that's what we are. We're messed up and we're jacked up. But every one of us is loved by a God. And if you join us for church online, you can put it in the, in the message feed there. I've accepted Jesus, and we will supply you with information today. Or if you just need prayer about pro-life or something you've done, put it in the chat, and we'll be more than happy to pray with you and for you. So with that being said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and, and Lord, so many times we, we'll be so quick to say we're pro-life. But Lord, the way your word calls to be pro-life, I think is different than what we may call pro-life. Lord, it's definitely different than what the world calls it. Lord, I ask that you help us to truly be pro-life the way you are. Lord, that we look out for everybody. It's not us and them. It's everything on this earth. All creatures, big and small. Lord, you've called us to, to oversee, to govern, to subdue this world. And Lord, you've made us in your image. So Lord, if, if I'm made in your image, that means everyone I see is made in your image. Help me to see that, Lord. Help me to see where I've fallen short and help each of us to see where we may have fallen short from what you've called us to do. But Lord, one thing we know is that your grace and your love are always there. And Lord, if we've messed up and, and we've not treated people the way we should treat people, Lord, I ask that you open up our eyes that we may see it and that we may repent of it and see difference in our lives and see the difference in other people's lives as we leave here today. And Lord, that our focus will remain on you and all of creation that you have made. And Lord, make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to Go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.